Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in. Man, we have got a real treat for you today. You know, every week here at Unseminary, we love to bring you a leader to both inspire and equip you. Today is no exception to that. We've got my friend, Carrie Newhoff on the podcast. Now you... You probably know Kerry if you've been around leadership circles for a while. He was the founding pastor of Connexus Church just north of Toronto. He also has a wildly popular podcast. He's an author, uh, but I count him as a friend. Was also my boss at one point, so we might get into mm-hmm. that. Uh, Kerry, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Hey, it's great to be back. Last time I think I hijacked your pa- podcast. That was one of the last times I was on where I took over, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. That was Wasn't great. 1.5 million downloads. Uh, 1.5 million downloads. I appreciate that. And so, yeah, now we're turning the tables back the other way. <laughs> Uh, you know, getting a chance to ask you some uh, questions. Well, what's new in your world? What's what's kind of happening these days, Carrie Newhoff? Uh, what's what's kind of new? Just a you know, quick, oh, a quick update on you. What isn't new? I mean, you know, like like everybody, we had to pivot to 100% digital, which was good because mm-hmm. after I uh, handed Connexus over to the next generation, mm-hmm. I started a virtual company, and I made a decision years ago to be a virtual company. It's like, do we get a little office or whatever? And at the time it was me and an assistant. So, you know, that didn't work on 20 levels, but I'm like, you know, do I ever want to do that? But I just decided to go virtual. So when the pandemic hit, it was, it was easy, except for this one thing, all my travel got wiped out. And Mm. uh, by the time this airs, I'll probably be back on the road somewhere. I imagine they ever open up the U S border. I hope they do. (laughs) Uh, But you know, it's interesting. It's been a very, uh, I've said this so many times, people people are tired of hearing it if, if you follow anything I do, but like digital scales in a way that physical doesn't. And yes. I would say, even though I believe that, I've really understood that at a new level. It's like, oh no, like the podcast. Uh, mm. I don't know, maybe, you know, it took us like five years to get to 10 million downloads Yep. And then another year to get to 17 million kind right. of thing. Like yeah, it's just it's a year and a half. Like it's just kind of nuts. You just get this, this momentum, this flywheel thing on digital. That's, that's insane. Absolutely. And so I would say what it's done is it's, it's, it's helped me use my time to help even more people, which is really interesting. And I always knew I had to cut back on the road, mm-hmm. but I didn't have, the dis- it's just hard to say no, right? Because you're getting yes. <laughs> you're getting hit up all the time, and people are. That seems like a good opportunity. Seems like a good opportunity. Well, I'm going to be in California. Maybe I can swing by and do this event in Dallas on the way back to Toronto, right? Yes. And now, when that choice was made for me, it's like, well, I have no choice. Like, and right. now people are traveling again. I could do the quarantine, but I've chosen not to to date, yep. and that's been really healthy. It's been healthy for me, healthy for my marriage. My team says I'm a better boss. So hopefully I'm a better boss than when I was your boss for that <laughs> yes. short time. They're like, you're focused, you're present. So I think it's fundamentally going forward. And then and then the other thing is I've really, because my kids are grown and my oldest one in particular has really pushed me on this, mm-hmm. but he's like, dad, you don't slow down enough. And mm. so I've really slowed down and I'm like, oh, I found a lower gear. I found an even lower gear. Meanwhile, things are growing at 
a really fast rate. So it's been really fun to even experiment with some of my own theories over the last year and a half. So that's what's yeah. going on. Every once in a while, I'll text you this. Uh, so Carrie and I are like friends in real life. We know oh, each yeah, other outside real. of being- A long, long time you know, ago. From a long time ago and all that. And and which is fun because I'll often find myself in conversations where people don't realize that I know you. And, uh, and so, and you're like this, you know, you've become like a persona, which is great. I think it's amazing. And I think God's really opened up just incredible opportunity for you. But the thing as an as an outsider kind of watching that over the years, I would echo what you were saying there that it fe- I feel like today you have more scale, more reach, you're impacting more people, you're helping more people. I think that's just definitively true, but you're less overwhelmed, less like overworked, less like uh burnt out or what what not burnt out's the wrong word. Less yeah, well, I did kind burn of out. frazzled you at that yeah. time, dude. Yes, yeah, like we less- go back that far. Yes, less frazzled than you were before. Uh, so I want to tap into that today. I want to yeah. understand what is it that's happening there. It seems like uh, we live in this culture that just is so obsessed with just run, 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 run. And you seem to be saying, hey, there's a different way. Talk about that. Well, you know, you and I, I mean, we launched a church together running around like chickens with our head cut off. Like you, <laughs> yes, you remember that well. We almost mm-hmm. we almost didn't make it through that. That was that was true. super challenging. And we did it. Two campuses within a week of each other. We yes. all survived. The church is flourishing without our helper leadership these days, which is which is awesome. But yeah, <laughs> yes. it is a really weird paradox, Rich. I I yeah, I have to think about that because and I think there's even more to that mm. than what I've discovered so far. So, you know, truth be told, I haven't been the lead pastor for five years. Uh, I'm 56 this year. I would like to do this for 25 or 30 years if I still have breath. Gordon McDonald's become a really good friend. He just turned 82. And, you know, Gordon is still building into leaders and making a difference with his life That's down amazing. the road, which is yep. amazing. But I have a feeling I've been reading uh, one of my reads this year was Brennan Manning. I'm trying to mm-hmm. I bought some Kierkegaard and like mm-hmm. Teresa of Avila. And John Mark Homer said something that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. He said, people always think about downtime as, uh, you know, time in the desert. Oh, that's my retreat. That's my oasis. He's like, no, mm-hmm. it was basically that's where you went to get your soul tormented. That's where the really mm. deep work happened. And it was not this like, really Instagrammy place. Everybody thinks, oh, I want to be a desert mother, a desert father. It's like, no, you really don't want to go there. No, it's hard. And I think the last year and a half now, easy has helped me slow down even more. And what you realize it is that, that like do less and accomplish more. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing that's slowing down and really, you know, the older I get, Mm -hmm. because we have known each other over 15 years now, Mm -hmm. maybe longer. I think we first met maybe in 2003 or so. I, I yeah, came down to the meeting 2000s. house when you were there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I was young, I thought I was good at everything. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I'm really terrible at most things in life. <laughs> we did a renovation project this past summer. Yes. And like I had a, had a moment with our contractor who basically said, you're really hard to work with on this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm gosh. so sorry. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I really don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just Love trying it. to order decking. Okay. Can you, yes. can you be like, I, I really, and, and I'm realizing that like, as we build a podcast network, as we uh, mm-hmm. launch books and we do that, it's like, you just get really competent people. And in your head, 
you're like, oh, I could probably do that better. Well, we've talked to mm. Tim Lucas about this. I've mm-hmm. talked to Tim Lucas about mm-hmm. it before. You know, his thing is if they can do it 50% as well as you can, let them do it. Sure. I'm maybe more like a 70 or 80% guy. I'm a little more sure. controlly than Tim. Uh, but again, control and scale are opposites. Like you yes. can't have total control and grow things. And so yep. I'm learning to trust my team more. And I think a lot of that comes through the silence, like spending mm-hmm. my mornings for an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, no interruptions, just me with scripture, doing some mm-hmm. reading, praying, reflecting, and then sort of moving into the day, knowing full well, I probably have three to five productive hours in me and the rest is kind of scrambled eggs. Yep. And like, how do I do what really moves the needle? So I very narrowly, like basically at the end of the day, I'm a communicator. That's all right. I am. That's that's what I can do. I can barbecue. I can do a bit of barbecue. <laughs> we'll get to that. Now, so let's talk about that. So uh, I would totally agree with you. I've joked as I get older, same thing. I'm like, I actually have a very narrow bandwidth of skills. I'm actually not very good at many things. There's a few things I'm good at, and that's that's really it. But what would you say to a younger leader, particularly, on trying to discover that? Like, how, yeah. how does someone find that? How do you figure out, hey, this is the one or two things I should really be focusing, you know, the bulk of my energy on, the bulk of my time on? So a a couple ways to do it. Think of it as a Venn diagram with concentric circles. Okay. So one would be, um, what are you truly gifted at? Like what, what is natural for you? So you, you rich, you have a really creative mind. You spot trends, uh, when you're working in service programming, you have some really great creative ideas. Like I would say on the creative side and the strategy side, that would be a gifting for you. Another thing you would you would look at is are you energized by it? Like mm-hmm. when when I so I have a really sure. weird career. So when I was younger, if you asked me this question at 29, Carrie, what are you best at? It would be like, I don't know. I have no idea. But what did mm-hmm. I do? So uh at 16, I walked into a radio station, got a job, they hired me. I did radio for eight years. Then little entrepreneurial Carrie in high school decides he wants to be a newspaper columnist, start writing mm-hmm. a newspaper for a local syndicate of newspapers and was mm-hmm. a columnist at like 18, 19. That's a weird thing for an 18, 19 year old. <laughs> I didn't know that. I've never yeah, heard that I don't before. talk about it a lot. That's but amazing. I, That's so I cool. I think my mom still has all the clippings, but yeah, oh, I had a weekly column Merch all, all across Simcoe <laughs> County. So you know where that is. You live in Simcoe. Anyway, it was <laughs> All really of Simcoe. Just covering deal. the entire all region Simcoe. from we, tiny we, all the way to Oro. Tiny <laughs> Tay. I mean, we did it all, right? Elmvale. <laughs> we covered funny. Elmvale, man. I was there. So anyway, then I went into radio in Toronto. Then I went into law, but I was really drawn to the courtroom side. Then I Mm -hmm. felt a call into ministry, went into ministry. What was my favorite part of the job? Communication. Then I started Mm -hmm. writing for fun. Then I started a podcast as a hobby. And then what does all that have in in common? It's communication. Right. So you will keep, there's almost a center line in your life that you're going to keep coming back to again and again. Maybe it's design. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, uh, I just really love being with people. I just love Mm -hmm. being with people. I love doing, maybe for some of them, it's pastoral care. Maybe it's operations or budgets or Mm -hmm. spreadsheets for your audience. Like what is that center line in your life that no matter where they put you, you keep coming back to it because that's probably a clue to how God wired you. And then the third thing, and this is really important is what produces the greatest results in your life. So I discovered Mm -hmm. as a communicator, if I was communicating well, then Mm -hmm. our church tended to do better. And if I was communicating poorly, if I'm communicating well now, if I'm writing decent blog posts, if I'm hosting really good interviews, 
guess what? We are able to help more leaders in the current Mm -hmm. phase of my life. And Mm -hmm. if I'm arguing well in a courtroom and my client wins, well, that's good for the firm. It's good for the client. So, um, you know, that is, that is what you want to look at. It's not just, what do I like doing? Cause I really like Mm -hmm. barbecue, but I'm not going to make a living at it. Like that's not really (laughs) moving the needle. It's moving my belt line. That's about it. Yes. And so you've got to look at like, what is going to help your organization win? And you will Mm -hmm. start even in your twenties to see patterns along those ways. So it's your passion, your gifting, and then what gets rewarded, what I call impact. So what is having the greatest impact? And then you'll realize it's the Pareto principle. 80% of what you do isn't really producing that. 20% is. So you should spend 80% of your time doing the 20% of things that really move the needle. So uh, what's your advice to somebody in their 20s? So I, when I look back at my own 20s, I... Um, I did a lot of different things. So I, I, you know, it was like very similar. Like I kind of jumped from thing to thing to thing. And I actually don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I've said that to 20 year olds. I've been like, Hey, your twenties are about figuring out all of this and getting out there and trying a bunch of things. How does that balance off with the overwhelmed, overcommitted, overworked? How, how do we help people navigate those two, the tensions of that? How, how, how can we help people kind of think about that or think yeah, we, about that? We could be looking at two different issues. So one is like discovering your calling and gifting, which I do think takes time. I have much greater clarity in my fifties than I did in my twenties. And I think some of that is just inevitable. Like you're going right. to, and you need to time in the saddle. You just yeah, you spend longer. You, you see, time in the saddle. Results. Yeah, yeah. If I hadn't done all these different things, I wouldn't realize that really the communication thing pulled me back. But right. overwhelmed, overcommitted, overworked. The challenge with that is there are so many opportunities. Like the problem is the sky is the limit. So every time you pull out your phone, you have new opportunities. You have all this inbound. And inbound, I think, is a real problem. Like I counted up a year or two ago. I just sat down one day and I'm like, why am I feeling overwhelmed in this moment? Because I think I was on vacation at the time. And I had shut everything studiously down, had my phone on do not disturb, all the stuff I've, I've, I've encouraged people to do for years. And I'm still getting texts from random friends. You know, the friend you hear about once or twice a year, you hear from them occasionally. I'm getting texts while I'm on my boat. And I'm like, I don't want to hear, hear your text right now. Like, I don't, I don't want to read it. Like, I'm on vacation. But of course, they don't know I'm on vacation. Yes. And there's, it's not their fault. It's my fault, right? Messages are always sent at the convenience of the sender, never at the convenience of the, the recipient. And mm-hmm. digital has really bad manners. If I text you, um, I don't know what you're doing. You could be have, having dinner with yes. Christine. Like you could yes. be having a really big heart to heart with your son. You could be trying to solve this strategic thing and all of a sudden your phone dings and it's my fault. I think there's so many opportunities. I think so many people are trying to make it as an influencer online. Mm-hmm. And then there's all these, these like shiny things that come in your direction. It makes it a lot harder. And so that is the power of learning. Okay, what am I really good at? Learning mm-hmm. how to say no and how to avoid other people from hijacking your priorities, which I think has become a huge piece of the puzzle today is you can have the best theory in the world, but you sit down. You go to get your your day done and five o'clock rolls around. You haven't done anything on your to-do list yet. You've right. been busy so and you're exhausted all day. That is what happens when the inbound overtakes your life. Yeah, that's so good. You know, I know um, earlier in my career, this is like a little bit of confession time with Rich. Yeah. Uh, I uh, There was a time, I'm a little embarrassed to say this. There was a time in my ministry where 
Um, I took a little too much uh, personal value in the fact that I would arrive at the office back when we used to have offices. Yeah. I would arrive at the office, but be the first one at the office, you know, turn on the lights in the morning and all that. And then I would be the last person to leave. So I, and, and that was like, a there was a ball, there was like a, you know, a little, you know, point indicator that went off in my brain that said, oh, days that that happens, like, oh, Rich is doing a good job, which obviously looking back on, it's like, it's unhealthy on so many levels that it's like, yeah. you know, the fact that I, uh, you know, gained even a certain amount of worth from that is, is a, you know, it's just terrible. That's not a great way to live. So what's the alternative? How do I uh, structure my life or how are you encouraging people to structure your life to continue to find ways to kind of find the highest priority to find the things in their lives that are um, really both that are exactly in those spheres of influence that you were talking about that are making the most impact on the, the world around you. What, what advice well, are you offering? Well, let's go back to your confession for a second, Rich, because I'm yep. curious. I'm going to put my amateur therapist hat sure, on. Yes. <laughs> Why did yes. you do that? Like, did you feel guilty? I don't know. Or you know, I? I think so. I, I think so. I've spent actually have spent time talking to a counselor about this. I do think yeah. that there was a thing um, where I, at a spiritual level, I got mixed up in my, in my head. I, I, I don't think I was ever in this, like, God loves me more. So I'm going to work lots. It was, so I don't think it was that it was more, I, I am thankful that I get to be a part of this thing. And, God is more happy with me when I'm working uh -huh, um, uh -huh. than than, and so I think that did a little bit of a you know a, a job on my my brain. I think also <laughs> I was ironically because now I spend a lot of time with uh, Christian camps, but I uh, early on I kind of my I, my early leadership years were really groomed in a Christian camping environment, which is a is a super busy environment. It's yeah, like yeah. from sun up till sundown, and so you do get that kind of you're able to work that muscle and realize, oh, like you can actually get a lot done if it, it's not, it is possible to wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to crank for the next 12 hours and we're going to get a tremendous amount done where uh, there's a lot of people that just didn't, haven't had that kind of experience. So I, I think it was a little bit on the, um, yeah, it was a mixed up ideas about God in my head. And I think I was trying to, uh, yeah, I guess gain some level of approval. Um, so yeah, I think that's what's going on. Yeah, that's fair. That sounds like some of my sessions as well. I would say there was, I, I remember the moment, Rich, at which I wasn't the first one in the last one out. So that was around mm -hmm. my season of burnout. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. This is not mm -hmm. sustainable. There was a lot of mm -hmm. unhealthy stuff around that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this morning as we record this interview, so the day we're doing this interview, I, I spent the morning recording videos at Conexus. So one of the last things I did as lead pastor six, seven years ago was oversaw that whole building project. And I walked yep. into the building this morning and mm -hmm. I thought, how did we actually do this? Because it has been years since I was the first in and the last right. out. Now, I'm still a morning person. I got up at 4.30, but like I'm not in the office at 4.30, right? Right. But right. there's this sense at which your personal, your value to the organization is not synonymous with how many hours you work. Mm -hmm. And so that, that by focusing more on making myself healthy mm -hmm. and getting to a place where I was really like, okay, let that person lead it. Like the, the lead mm -hmm. pastor now, Jeff Brody, who we're both friends with, you know, that was his trial balloon as my successor was like, if he can build this facility, 
Mm-hmm. I know his other gifts. He'll probably be a great lead pastor, which he has yeah. been. And yeah. so I just, I just let him try that. And he did a better job than I would have on time, mm-hmm. on budget, which is like mm-hmm. amazing. Yes. And, you know, but there was that paradoxical thing where I must decrease and others must increase, including God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think, I think that's been huge. So to your point about what's helped me is a number of things. Cause I used to live overwhelmed, overworked mm-hmm. and overcommitted. And mm-hmm. then I moved to, you know, if you think about your three principal assets, time, energy, and priorities, I had to figure out how to focus my time because I can't mm-hmm. spend it on everything. Mm-hmm. And then I had to figure out how do I leverage my energy? That was the biggest game changer. And then how do I avoid my priorities from being hijacked? So with energy, really, because I, I did time management and time management, there's a million books out there, a million apps, mm-hmm. and I got good at it. But the problem with time management is you're managing a fixed commodity. Like if I gave mm-hmm. you $10, and that mm-hmm. was like, here you go, Rich, you know, you're loaded now, $10 or whatever. And you're managing that $10. You, you, there's only so much you can do with $10, right? Especially yes, today. Yes, yes, it's yes. like, wow, you can get a little more efficient. Good. You saved another penny there, Rich. Good for you. But yes. that is not going to get you like astounding returns. But when I started managing my energy and paying attention, when you're burned out, which I did mm-hmm. in 2006, mm-hmm. you know, you have no energy. So you don't even get out of bed. And well, I did get out of bed, but like I was dragging my knuckles all day long. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. I mm-hmm. never had energy drained from my body like it did when I was burned out. And I'm like, I got to manage this thing. It's a precious resource. And so what I ended up doing was really starting to pay attention, become a student of myself. And I realized I'm only really good a few hours every day. Like mm-hmm. you really look at my peak mm-hmm. capacity. Um, and now I, I would catalog it as three to five hours a day is when I'm kind of at my best. Right. And other than that, I got a couple hours a day where I'm at my worst. Usually for me, it's 4 to 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, some days I can MacGyver that a little bit and like get out of that and be better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, most of us have those two hours a day. Could be in the morning for some of your leaders. It could be, you know, after 8 o'clock at night where you got toothpicks keeping your eyes open and you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. And then you got a lot of stuff in the middle. And I've divided mm-hmm. my day into three zones, green, yellow, and red. Green being, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm firing on all cylinders, writing great content hosting great interviews. I'm mm-hmm. on, uh, mm-hmm. red being I'm exhausted. Please send me to bed and, um, <laughs> yellow being everything in between. And what I've discovered is doing what you're best at when you're at your best, taking what I'm that thing we talked about earlier, my mm-hmm. communication gift or whatever your gift is doing mm-hmm. it in your green zone when you're at your best, that is when you start to leverage that high energy, that is where the exponential returns begin. Love this. So uh, friends, as you're listening in here, this nugget here, um, so I've seen Carrie not only lead this, but talk about this so many times. And I have come back to this time and again, how do I realign, uh, my day, what I'm actually doing so that I ensure that the most important activities I'm doing those when I'm at my best. And, uh, that's, it has been a game changer for me. And so I'm glad that we're talking about this. Um, Carrie, actually, you've actually released a book that's coming out uh, just very soon. So you've written a book that's coming out really soon. That's called At Your Best, How to Get Time, Energy, and Priorities Working in Your Favor. And I'm assuming that you, uh, well, this is a fantastic book. Everyone should get it. Um, You know that I don't have a lot of authors on. Uh, We'll we'll get to that in a a minute. But let's talk about why this book. Why is this the next book for you, Carrie? This is obviously talking about this exact issue. How do we help people be at their best? Um, How do we ensure that they can 
can live a sustainable pace. Uh, so w- why this? W- what led you to this as, as kind of the next book? It's a huge project to put together a book like this. I see overwhelm as a crisis of our age, long before mm-hmm. there was a pandemic and, and the crisis that we're you know getting out of. Uh, overwhelm was a huge issue. Everybody I talked to was either burning out, had burned out, worried that they were going to burn out. And I had burned out. So I had a lot of personal experience. I had some skin in the game. I'm also Mm -hmm. 15 years on the other side of burnout. And when I started to put these principles into practice, I had no intention of writing a book, no intention of talking about it the way I've talked about it over the years. But by about 2015, the number one question I was getting from leaders is, how do you get it all done? I was leading a church full time. I had a fledgling leadership podcast. I was speaking around the world. I had written a couple of books. I think it was on my third book at that point. And just, you know, if I'm in the hallway somewhere, people are pulling me aside going, how do you get it all done? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, And then I sat down and I gave it some thought and I put it in a talk that I gave to Mark Batterson and his team. Mm-hmm. Mark pulled me aside and said, it needs to be a book. I didn't mm-hmm. write the book right away. I did a course called The High Impact Leader, which mm-hmm. some of your leaders may have been through. We've had the privilege of probably training 5,000 leaders in mm-hmm. that system. And then when I was looking at the next book, realizing that this epidemic was getting out of control, I took everything I've learned in the last 15 years, introduced a whole lot of new concepts, refined it, honed it, polished it, and then put it in book form to make it accessible. So that's why I wrote the book. And honestly, I feel like this is a life message. Like mm. if, you, if I live to be 80 and you right. interview 80-year-old Carrie on whatever podcasting will be, I hope I'm still talking about learning how to live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. Because if I had known that when I was 30, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have messed up my 30s the way I messed up my 30s. And Mm -hmm. the way I am right now, like I have more energy in the tank at 56 than I did at 26. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about the future. Not everything's perfect. Like I I still have to come back to these principles all the time. The other thing that's really been exciting for me is I started sharing them very tentatively with leaders Mm -hmm. and they got almost universal approval, particularly the energy piece. That is the piece that's missing from so much productivity is that green zone, yellow zone, red zone stuff. And mm-hmm. so that's why, yeah, that's why I wrote the book. And, you know, if it, if it helps one person, I'm thrilled. Uh, fortunately, in our case, it's helped thousands already. And I hope to help hundreds of thousands more over the next few years. Yeah. I think this is such a core idea. One of the problems with uh, pro- or, you know, time management, one of the problems with it, when you get good at that, what you have at the back end of that is just more overwhelm because what yeah. you're doing is you're just jamming more into your schedule. You figured out, you know, you figured out how to go. And I've, I've lived this. I was like, uh, you know, was at liquid church. And one of the things we did was I like, I'm gonna take this experimentation. We're going to all our meetings. We're going to cut them in half for three months and see what happens. And, and so sure enough, we got the same amount of work done, but what we did with that other time was just jam more stuff in. Like right. we just kept ratcheting up as opposed to saying, wait a second, how do we align our energy in the right way, uh, to get the most done. And, and again, I hope tons of people pick up, uh, you know, this book, I think it's going to be super helpful when you think about, uh, the people who are reading this book, when you think about who is your kind of, who is the persona, who is the person in your brain, you were thinking, mm, this would be super helpful for uh, this kind of leader, this kind of person. Who were you thinking of when you, when you I was thinking leader? of a leader in his or her early thirties, maybe yeah. somewhere between 28 and 32. You kind of got your twenties behind you. You've mm-hmm. got uh, a lot going on. Perhaps you found a life partner. Maybe mm-hmm. you're thinking about kids, having kids. You're at that settling down point. And maybe you started something, you're at the top of the organization or you're moving on up 
you're in an executive director role, executive pastor mm-hmm. role, uh, some kind mm-hmm. of creative leadership role. And you're mm-hmm. kind of caught in between because you got a boss, but you've also got your own life. And then you mm-hmm. probably have people who report to you. And mm-hmm. that's hard, man. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, two of the people who worked really, really closely with me on this project, a couple of editors, uh, one had a, a newborn daughter that had some health challenges. Mm-hmm. Another one had a 15-year-old daughter who had some very significant health challenges. Mm -hmm. And we Mm -hmm. walked through the multi-year editing process together. (laughs) And one of them said to me, my whole life feels like a yellow zone right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we we obviously working as closely as we did on this project, I was able to do a little bit of coaching that really helped him with that. Mm -hmm. But I look at that. And by the time I hit 40 and I burned out, I, you know, hadn't thrown my marriage in the garbage, but it was close. And, Mm -hmm. I wasn't the father I wanted to be. And if I can save some some heartache for a lot of people, mm-hmm. John Acuff is a really good friend, has become a good friend. And in the intro to the book, I remember I tell the story that John and I were backstage somewhere a few years ago, and he mm-hmm. just asked me like, hey, does everybody have to burn out? Like, is this a rite of passage? He was like 34, <laughs> 35 at the time. Yes. I'm like, I don't know. That's a great question, John. I didn't have a good answer for him in the moment. And then when I was writing the book, I'm like, no, the answer is no. And so I'm mm-hmm. hoping, like, if you're burned out, great. Hopefully this book will help. If you're pre-burnout, man, don't go there. Like, it is a mm-hmm. bad place. You wouldn't mm-hmm. wish this for your enemy. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. it's not a get out of burnout book. It's a stay out of burnout book. Love it. And if that could help young leaders, I'm going to be a very happy man. Oh, I love this. So I got a chance to peek at some of the book ahead of time, friends. And one of the things that struck me is actually exactly what you're saying there. What John said is for years, it's bugged me at conferences. I feel like I go to every conference and it's like leader after leader gets up and says, don't do it like how I did it. Don't do this. Don't do this. Uh, but no one has taken out the other side of that, which is, I'm like, okay, I don't want to burn out. I don't want to, you know, end up crashing the, you know, the bus over the cliff. Uh, and this book really struck me as exactly that. It's like, oh, this is like some really sage advice, timely package in a way that can just make a real difference. Uh, so let's talk about one particular tactic, one particular kind of question. So there might be leaders who are listening in who struggle with the kind of constant request. So, you know, and I'm sure this happens to you all the time where it's like, yeah, there's so much opportunity. In fact, I often uh, find myself thinking like there's just more opportunity in life than, than I can take advantage of. Like there's just so much opportunity everywhere. I look, Mm. there's opportunity, but I, and, and, but man, I just, I feel guilty saying no. So how do I say no to someone? What does that look like? How have you done that? How do you coach people to say no? Just at a real practical kind of grand really practical level. It's something that I call, and I I talk about it in the book, I call it categorical decision-making. So here's here's a hack for categorical decision-making. It's a priority. You decide ahead of time what you're not going to do, and it makes it so, so easy. So um, one thing you can do is just decide like you did, okay, we're not going to do meetings for X. So years Mm -hmm. ago, I got rid of a pick my brain meeting. You ever have those Mm -hmm. meetings? Some of your leaders are in there right now where it's like, (laughs) this guy just wanted to have coffee with me. So I went for coffee. It's like, what is the purpose? So you can Mm -hmm. be like, I just don't do that. I, Mm -hmm. I made all kinds of categorical decisions, particularly in the last five years, like no early morning flights anymore. Why? Right. Because it requires me to get up at three o'clock, two o'clock in the morning to be at the airport on time, fly internationally. I'm exhausted by the time I get there. That's hard to recover from. Okay. So mm-hmm. I don't do that. I fly in a day mm-hmm. early, whatever. Another thing, I don't do meetings on Fridays. There's a categorical decision. So if somebody asks you for a meeting on Friday, you're like, oh, I'm not available Friday. But then you always have Friday free. 
Um, another thing you can do, types of people that you respond to. So for mm-hmm. example, you know, you have opportunities. I mm-hmm. will speak to leaders before I spoke, speak to a general group. Another decision I made is I'm not preaching in this season of my life. So if you ask mm-hmm. me to preach, the answer is already no. And what mm-hmm. that does, it's almost like the, you know, the wardrobe that Zuckerberg or other people mm-hmm. have, or Steve Jobs had. It's yeah. like, you don't have to stand there in your closet looking at 13 shirts wondering which one right. you're going to wear. You're going to wear the black shirt today. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to mm-hmm. do. And, and mm-hmm. that makes it really easy for the people you're letting down as well, because you can just say, I'm sorry, I just don't preach on this. Like I wrote, my first book was a parenting book. I don't speak on mm-hmm. parenting anymore. Why? Because mm-hmm. I'm not Reggie Joyner who loves it and thinks about it all day long. And my kids are in their twenties. I don't, right. I don't really have a lot to add to that conversation anymore other than what I wrote in the book. So I would sit down and I've got some very practical guidelines on what you can do for practical Mm -hmm. categorical decisions. What categories can you eliminate today? I don't do breakfast meetings. I don't do meetings Mm -hmm. on Friday. I don't do this kind of stuff. And what'll happen, you train your team in that and then Mm -hmm. your no's become automatic because these Mm -hmm. days we're getting pitched. I talked to my team about this recently. Apparently, probably 30 times a week. Like, mm. hey, do you want to do this? You want to do that? Like, that's just right, my life. Right. Some of your leaders have it a lot bigger than that. Mm. And it's like, okay, we have to come up with decisions ahead of time. Otherwise, I sit there all day with my team going, right. should we do this? Should we do that? Should we, should we do, this? do this? Should we do that? Yeah, exactly. It's right. useless. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, and I, and I saw that in you, in, even in your life 15 years ago. I remember at the time, I remember you saying like, oh, I don't do Saturday meetings. Like, I just don't. It's not. A, it's like, I don't do like stuff for church on Saturday. And I remember at the time thinking, Wow, that's crazy! How does he do that? <laughs> I forgot about that, Rich. That's funny. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, and and at the time, I remember thinking, "Oh yeah, like uh, we can make those kind of decisions. That's the kind of thing you have control over," um, which I just loved because there was uh, there was it was the reason why I remember it because there was an exception, and you were uh, you made an exception for whatever we were doing, and so uh, yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, that's that. another that's- thing I had to decide a long time ago. Like I'm a pastor, I don't do weddings. Yes, and and yes. then now I will do a wedding if you're in my family. Or you're on my immediate staff team, like close inner circle. So what that does is it reduces it to about two dozen people. And then if right. people go, well, that's not fair. I'm like, well, we have a system for weddings. And frankly, if you want to become part of my family or you want to start as my assistant, let me know. We'll have that conversation. Then maybe I'll do your wedding. But in the meantime, right. there are lots of people who do your wedding. That's not my principal gifting. I'm not wired as a pastor. Yeah, that's not my thing. Love it. Um, so obviously, we want to send people to Amazon. Is there anywhere else we want to send people to pick up? Uh, to me, I, the thing about this book, I think this would be a huge gift. We're coming into the fall here. This would be a great time for you to pick up 10 or 15 copies of this and to do it with your team. Like everyone, particularly in the church world, you, you know, you've just, you're just getting the fall out the door. All of our churches are feeling like we're relaunching. Uh, this would be a great time to kind of inject this into your your leadership culture. Uh, you know that Carrie's he's dependable. He's a great brand. You know he's gonna he's gonna deliver. It's gonna be a great book for you to do. I think as a as a leadership book. Is there anywhere else uh, that we want to send them besides Amazon to pick up copies? Yeah, sure. If you go to atyourbesttoday.com, um, we are trying to support a number of booksellers. There's like an mm-hmm. indie bound link where you can find a local independent bookseller, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, obviously. But mm-hmm. here's what we have. We have a masterclass that's free. So if you pre-order the book, if you do a pre-order or get it the week of launch, I think, uh, mm-hmm. we will have a free masterclass on living at your Love best. It. This is material that's not directly covered in the book. It's a bonus. Uh, it won't be free after the book releases. So if you go to at your best today, 
www.jeffcoachingcoach.com. You can mm-hmm. register for that masterclass, get it for free. It's all digital download and order your book along the way. Obviously your pre-order is your ticket to admission for the free masterclass. So love it. So good. One last question. So we've just come through the summer. And one of the things that's so you're so dependable with the summer is the grass lines. <laughs> the, the, the lines, I, I, I can't get my grass to look like that. Well, how do you do it? What is your grass secret? Last question as we wrap up. Oh, uh, well, episode. you left the most important one till the end, <laughs> which is so good because obviously I have all this time to think about stuff that doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. Like lawn lines, hashtag lawn lines. Yeah. You know, um, it's a couple of things. Number one, cutting your 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 grass higher than most people would do it. Mm, so you go to a golf true. course, and I play golf. Like it's like mm-hmm. barely it's a carpet, right? It's so mm-hmm. thin. And you go to the Masters mm-hmm. apparently, and it's like it's like putting down the hood of your car. It's nuts. Mm. So, but actually, my grass is usually two to three inches tall, but it's cut like a laser because you know you have a sharp blade. So that helps. And then there's this thing called a striper. You can Google it. So I have a Toro like hand push. <laughs> lawnmower yes. it has a striper on the back so it's mm-hmm. basically this little sand weight and it kind of pushes the grass in one direction and then pushes it in the other when you when you mow back so it creates that diamond effect that you would see on a baseball diamond so for people who are really nerdy and have nothing to do with their lives like me that gives like an infinite amount of joy rich so that's Dude, how that's i love this you delivered even on that question i'm like there's what is the secret and i i look at those pictures and i'm like my grass doesn't look anything like that and here i find out cut it a little answer. higher and get a <laughs> yes. striper and you're I off do, to the races my friend that is an ongoing dialogue with my wife and i uh, around uh, Christine and I around j- j- just how long to cut the grass. And I'm always oh. like, we need to cut it longer. We need to cut it longer. Cause well, you know, you know what the other that. benefit is if, cause Chris, Chrissy is kind of like an organics person, right? Like she takes mm-hmm, her health mm-hmm. seriously. So mm-hmm, you don't want mm-hmm. those nasty pesticides on your lawn. Sure. I may use the odd one from time to time. Don't tell anybody yes. that. Um, here's, <laughs> here's, this is actually true. I did some very natural weeding. I got rid mm-hmm. of the dandelions in my lawn recently. I had mm-hmm. 18. That was it on a half acre. Wow. Now that's amazing. When you cut your lawn higher, it's a natural weed deterrent because right. what happens in a really short lawn is the seeds get in and then they germinate on a really long lawn. Like if it's two inches or two and a half, three inches, they can't get down to the ground to germinate. So you end up over the years building a natural lawn protection. You want to talk about fertilizers and yeah. all the no, no I that's guess a, that's we're the, at the next end of the episode. Show, that's the we? next episode. All right. All right. Maybe my next Carrie. book, hashtag lawn lawn. <laughs> Carrie, I appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you for all you're doing. I could say on behalf of so many leaders who have just been just weekly encouraged by you and uh, you know just inspired and and helped in so many different ways. Again, friends, I would encourage you to go to uh, you know to pick up a copy of this book, to drop by the website, to pick it up at a, you know wherever you buy books, uh, and to get like I said, get a bunch of them. I really do think this would be a great book to do with your team uh, this fall. You know, it's, it would be very accessible and help them uh, really launch into the end of this this last year well. So thanks so much, Kerry. Appreciate you being here today. Oh, Rich, it's always a joy. I love our friendship. Love being able to do the things we get to do together. And, and thanks for having me on again. I know at some point you're going to be like, no, you can't come back. But thanks no, for having me again. All. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.